Hi, everyone. I'm Michelle Jobin, and you are listening to Time to Talk, a podcast for caregivers. This podcast is dedicated to helping family caregivers in Ontario. Through expert tips and resources, you will gain knowledge and validation for the ups and downs that come with caregiving. More importantly, you'll learn that you're not alone. It's so important to take this time for yourself. We're glad you're here. FAR Canada, or Families for Addiction Recovery, is a national charity founded by parents of children who have struggled with addiction from their teen years. Their goal is long-term recovery for those with addiction and for their families. FAR offers families a variety of resources and free supports, such as one-on-one phone support, online parent support groups, and a free phone support line. Today, we are joined by Louise Lemieux-White from FAR Canada, And later on, we'll also be talking to Kate, a caregiver who has experienced caring for someone with addiction. This is a highly sensitive topic and it is so important. We are going to cover as much as we can and share the supports available to caregivers. Louise, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Michelle. It's uh, it's great to be here and uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that we're given the opportunity to share our knowledge and our experience. We are thrilled that you're here today, too, and we wanted to create a space where Ontario caregivers could connect and share, and hopefully through our conversation today, we can all gain a little bit more insight into the special role and responsibility of a caregiver, and you know, more specifically today uh, when it comes to addiction recovery, as well as give caregivers to those struggling with addiction resources for help. So in Canada... It is estimated that approximately 21% of the population, when this is about 6 million people, will meet the criteria for addiction in their lifetime. And in Ontario, 10% of people use substances problematically. So that's a very staggering statistic. So Louise, um, we'll touch a bit on that, but I wanted to start with your work with FAR Canada and your expertise, what are some signs that a loved one may have developed an addiction? It's a great question, Michelle. Thanks for asking it. Um, the uh, yeah, the stats are are somewhat staggering. And it, and when you think about it in terms of numbers, the ten percent of Ontarians who struggle um, with a substance use disorder—that's the new common term now for addiction—is substance use disorder or problematic substance use. Every one of those individuals is surrounded by somebody who loves them. That's where Families for Addiction and Recovery comes in. You know, it could be somebody's child, somebody's um, sibling, somebody's aunt, uncle, parent. Uh, we're, our organization focuses on the people who take care of people who use substances problematically. So family members particularly our focus has been on parents supporting or being supported far supports the parents who have children who struggle because at the end of the day no matter what age their child is it could be a 35 year old could be a 14 year old they're still their child and that parent is still going along with that child on their journey uh, that can be quite destructive and upsetting, obviously upsetting for the family, uh, for them to watch this journey uh, and for them to try to seek services and supports for their loved one. And so that's where Families for Addiction Recovery comes in is uh, we're, 
we realize that there's a lack of supports and services for those family members who care for uh, people who struggle with uh, problematic substance use. And so we said, you know, we know what it's like because we've all lived it, all our parents, people who work for us, we're all volunteers primarily, and we know what it's like because we've had that journey. We know um, uh, and we understand the journey that those family members go through and it's extremely isolating. And and it is extremely isolating, but it's interesting to think of it that way when we talk about the statistics that we we I kicked things off with that, you know, 21% of the population will meet this criteria at some point in their lifetime. And to clarify, we're not just talking about um, illicit drugs. There is a very wide spectrum of what comes under the umbrella of substance use disorder or um, problematic substance use. So can you clarify that a little bit for us, just in case there is any uh, misunderstanding there? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, you know, the majority of us use, use subs, you know, drugs. Um, Alcohol is a drug. Over-the-counter medication is a drug. Uh, you know, your Tylenol is a drug. Caffeine is a drug. We all use drugs. It's the question is whether it has impacted our life to the extent where you know, our life is is sort of consumed by the use of drugs rather than um, the us using the drug to help us. It's more um, a problem. A problematic use would be somebody who um, stops at nothing to get access to the drug because it makes them feel good. People use drugs for a reason. That's a very important thing for people to appreciate is that they're not doing it because they're bad people. Um, they're not doing it because, um, you know, it's just they're bored or, you know, they just are struggling with, um, well, actually, that's just, that's exactly it. They're struggling with something. And um, so be it mental illness, be it trauma, be it genetic, there's a 40 to 60% chance that uh, if you use, if, if you've had that in your familial tree, that you may be, you know, uh the, the, the carrier or the, the next person in your family to, to um, struggle with that. Well, thank you for clarifying all of that, because I think we get a better sense of just how wide reaching of an issue this is and um, how important it is that we address all of these things and the needs of caregivers that are specifically um, working with or caring for loved ones with substance use disorders. Can you tell us a little bit more about FAR Canada and the work that uh, they do as an organization? Yes, uh, we've um, created this organization in 2016. And uh, in 2018, we launched a parent support group, or um, sorry, parent support program. And uh, from there, so that's a one-on-one -on -one program. As you mentioned, we have three types of supports for parents. And now it's expanded into uh, family caregivers. So it's not just parents, right? Because it could be siblings taking care of their, their, uh, their, other, their sibling who has uh, an addiction. Um, but uh, the one-on-one -on -one is very popular. It has been running for since 2018. And uh, we collect amazing data for that. Um, we support so we would match somebody who reaches out to us, match them with a, a trained parent peer volunteer who then will, you know, just basically have a conversation with them. So up to eight conversations. These are all done by phone. And, you know, what that offers the parents is an immense amount of 
um, hey, I'm, I'm not alone on this journey. You know, I'm less isolated. Somebody can listen to me who's not going to judge me and who's not going to tell me you've got to do this because who know who, who needs to be told what to do in this journey? What they need is to be heard and, and to say, you know, I know what that's like. That's kind of an awful journey you're going through and I've been there. Um, and what are you doing for yourself? The self-care component is huge for caregivers and caregivers often forget that. Uh, so that's one of the supports we offer. There's also group support. If they don't want one-on-one, -on -one, they can call us, uh, call into a group four times a month. And uh, that, all our services, by the way, are free. Uh, and then there's a uh, one-on-one uh, phone calls, which are five, uh, sorry, um, five times a week. So 10 hours uh, of the week is offered where somebody who may have missed the group or doesn't have a peer supporter yet uh, can just call in and say, hey, I'm having a rough patch with my uh, son right now. Can, uh, can you listen to me? And uh, so those are all our free services at this time. That, that's a great, and it's wonderful that these are all free and available. And I'm assuming if you go onto the FAR Canada website that you can kind of look up all of these resources available. And that does that include the free phone support line as well? Is that something that people could just call in and, and get someone on the other line that can help them connect? That's correct. It's not, a, to be clear, it's not a crisis line. Okay. It's just a, a phone call, a phone line, uh, two hours a day, five days a week. Uh, where somebody's just able to listen. And, and sometimes that's all parents need is to be validated in their journey and to, to have somebody who really understands at the other end. Absolutely. Um, we are in difficult times for everyone, um, but the pandemic, from my understanding, has exacerbated a lot of um, issues around substance abuse and use. Has the pandemic impacted the number of families reaching out for support to FAR Canada? And what's the one piece of advice you would give to a listener who may be overwhelmed with both the pandemic and caregiving? So let, let's kind of talk about those that in, in two pieces. Do, do you think the pandemic has amplified this? 100%. This is, uh, we have a pandemic within a pandemic or uh, mm. an epidemic within a pandemic. Um, the uh, public health measures, you know, they've been necessary, but they have uh, forced families to be more together uh, since the uh, children or the people who care for, for people with problematic substance use don't have places to go. Um, they uh, have limited access to safe drugs and uh, also, you know, the, the, the distancing uh, um, that it is also a risk for uh, drug users. And that could even be a parent who has a child who uses drugs in their basement. You know, we're not just talking about somebody who uses a drug, um, an illicit drug uh, in a back alley. We have parents who call us whose children use drugs in their basement and they're afraid for their lives just as much as a parent who calls us who have who has a child living in, a, in, a, in an alley somewhere. And so uh, in terms of the second part of the question, um, when we get phone calls or reaches like that, uh, number one, we, we ask the parent uh, if they have a naloxone kit. Naloxone is that free medication, free in Ontario anyway, um, that uh, parents can get uh, access to at a pharmacy. It reverses an overdose situation. Um, and 
and all it takes is a visit to a pharmacy or you can call them to see if they have them in stock and you just go there with your health card and you can get one for free. Uh, the second thing we ask, we um, inform the parents who call us, um, and these are, these, these are, you know, pandemic uh, related uh, issues. I mean, the, the casualties have like skyrocketed. So we need people to be safe, right? And to you, and if they're going to use drugs, it's not good enough to just say, stop using drugs. We need the, them to know and families to know, caregivers to know how to do it safely because there's there's no control here. And so um, the, the second thing what we recommend is for them to uh, be familiar with NORS, N-O-R-S is the National Overdose Response Service. If you go to our website, farcanada.org, it's the first pop-up, it just, it pops up on our screen. National Overdose Response Service. And it, basically it's a service where if somebody's going to use drugs alone, because we don't recommend they use alone because you never know if it's safe, uh, laced with toxins that may kill them, is that they phone somebody prior to using and the person stays on the phone with them until they're finished. And if they don't get a response from them, say they stop breathing, they activate the EMS, the emergency services. So, you know, those are two really great necessary things for our family caregivers to know about um, and and to know also that they're not alone, that we we understand we can um, hook them up to our services and, uh, and, and help them along with their journey. The, I mean, those are two excellent pieces of advice, the second of which I didn't even know the existence of, so that's really good. Uh, to know, and you have been a wonderful resource for us so far, Louise. I wanted to bring Kate into the conversation now, um, and she's going to join our chat. Kate is a caregiver of someone who struggles with addiction, and we wanted to thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your experiences. Caring for different ages means providing different kinds of support. That's why the Ontario Caregiver Organization put together a toolkit to help caregivers give the right kind of support to the people they are caring for. Whether you're caring for children and youth or adults and seniors, this toolkit holds resources any caregiver can use. If you're new to caregiving, there is help for you as well. Caregivers across Ontario can equip themselves with everything they need, no matter who they are caring for. Visit ontariocaregiver.ca for more information. Now, back to our episode. Kate, I wanted to ask you first, when did you become a caregiver? The biggest thing that people have to understand is these children, these people don't go out to be an addict. They don't say, I'm going to grow up and become an addict. Something happens. Something. It's like saying, oh, do you want this beer? Maybe you're strong enough to say no. Others might not. Some things you're going to be addicted instantly. You know, with my daughter, she was actually abducted by a man that was 10 years older than her. And Louise knows the story because she was actually my mentor, which was very wonderful to have Louise to talk to. And it wasn't her fault, you know, but what happened after you choose what happens after, you know, and we're slowly going through the cycle saying, it's not your fault. You didn't choose to do this. Most of the kids don't choose to do this. You know, they don't choose, oh, I'm going to be in, you know, something happens to them. It's important that we remove any sort of stigma from this, the perspective when it comes to substance abuse disorders, because it, it is an illness and right. we should treat it 
the way we would treat any other illness. So, and I thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's, it's difficult for you um, and your experience. What would you say are some of the unique challenges that caregivers have when they are caring for someone with addictions? Uh, the biggest thing is finding out more information. Okay, what, what are they on? What do I need to know? Do I need an dioxin kit? Is there something else that I need to carry in the home? Can they be in my home? You know, the, the hardest thing to say is, at this point, maybe you need to be in rehab. Maybe you need to be not in the house, depending on if there's other children in the home. You know, is there a safety issue? You know, like some one parent I talked to, they're worried because their child had said they were going to poison them. They were going to hurt them in the evening. So then that becomes a big issue. Okay, where do you go from there? Mostly we're here to listen to them. I know as a caregiver myself, I take care of other people's children. And like teaching, I didn't want people to know. So here I am teaching your young kid, but mine's messed up. You know, but it's not really messed up. She's just going through a cycle. You know, it's what happened to her. I've been told a hundred times that she should go in modeling prior to this 26-year-old, 27-year-old wanting a 15-year-old. He took her for three days. Mm. So that wasn't her fault. But it's how we deal with it after. You know, when parents call, I want to be there. I want to support them. I want to listen to them. It's very generous of you to do that and, and to be there for, for both of you to volunteer to do that for other parents as well. Louise, do you have anything to add in terms of what might be some of the unique challenges uh, that caregivers in this situation might experience? You hit the nail on the head there with the, the word stigma. Uh, stigma is probably the largest barrier that uh, caregivers have um, and and the actual person who is uh, struggling with uh, problematic str- uh, drug use as well is uh, they, they think they're not worthy. Uh, the, the people who use think they're not worthy of getting the care and love that they deserve or that they need to, to be able to turn things around. And the parents or the family caregivers uh, believe that uh, there's, it's so, so stigmatized that they don't want to be judged. They don't want to say, you know, this is what's happening with my family member because people think that they've done something wrong. You haven't done as a parent or a family caregiver, you haven't done anything wrong. To Kate's point, something can happen that can just turn, turn the dial and, and, you know, off that, that person goes in another direction because they're too traumatized by, by what has happened to them. And, they discover something that helps ease their pain from that trauma. And so the, um, we, we've got to look at, you know, not just treating the addiction, but also treating the underlying causes, mental illness, um, mental health challenges, trauma, genetics, personality traits too. And it's, and it's, you know, none of us, if someone had say a genetic predisposition to breast cancer, would would sort of stigmatize that at all. So, you know, because that can be just one of the many components that underlie addiction, it's, it's you know, it's, it's terrible that there would be the perception that it would be any different. 
for, for this as an illness versus another kind of an illness. Kate, do you think that the stigma of addictions holds caregivers back in these situations I from getting help? I believe they do. Society sets a norm and they want everyone to live at this norm. But you don't know what happens behind closed doors. We talked to Sarah and just wanted to let you guys know it goes beyond Ontario. I'm not actually in Ontario. I'm in Alberta. So we're we're branching out and we want to get more people to help us help others. And it's listening. It's just a lot of it was listening. I just wanted to talk to someone when I joined. Louise was there. But a lot of the parents are embarrassed. They don't, you know, the white picket fence. This is my house. But what happens inside those four walls? Not too many people know. You know, they don't want the world to know. You know, it could, I left a position because they found out that my daughter still did some drugs after the fact of what happened to her. I didn't want to be there. And I thought, no, I don't need everybody to know. So that was a major thing is I left the position I loved for 15 years teaching because everybody knew. Well, hopefully the more that we have conversations about this, the less people will feel, especially when we realize how prevalent it is. Louise, I know you had something that you wanted to add, so please do. Yeah, I think what we're really talking about, Kate and I, is the shame. Mm -hmm. The shame that we think we've done something wrong. Look at us. Look at our in quotations, bad kid. They're not bad, they're sick, right? And so uh, we carry as caregivers that shame uh, until somebody says to us, but it's not your fault and you didn't do anything to cause this. And sadly, you can't cure it either, but we can give you some skills to make your life better. And when a parent's life or a caregiver's life is a little bit better, they become their life becomes a little bit more manageable. Guess what? The child responds to that. Not always, but they do because the, the, the parent has learned new skills, new skills to be able to um, cope, new skills to be able to support their loved one using. For example, like a, a skill is to not be angry with them because it's not their fault. What does anger do? It doesn't help the situation at all, right? Kate, did you have something to add? Well, I think the biggest thing is, like I said, having someone to listen to. And now that I've learned different ways to address my daughter, talk to my daughter, let her know it's not her fault. What happened to you happened to you. Let's move on. Let's see what we can do. We went to rehab and she's going to attend school in September, university. She wants to work with those families that are sexually assaulted, those teens that something happened to them. And if it turns into addiction, so this ends up being a good story. And it all happened with Louise teaching me and helping me that it wasn't my fault. I don't need to be embarrassed. You know, and people need help. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, because you've found Kate and, and um, you, Kate, have found Louise so helpful and FAR Canada's resources so helpful. How did you find out about them and their resources available for caregivers? On the internet, I do. I was just searching. I needed someone to talk to that didn't really judge or just wanted to talk to someone. So I sent out the email and then Louise called and we 
sparked up a conversation and I think she was a little surprised at all the details about what had happened because that's rare when someone takes your daughter. Absolutely. And then we just talked and then I said, you know what? I want to make a difference too. So she said, you want to be a peer support? I said, I'd love to be. I'd love to just listen to another parent and let them get it out. Let them know they're not alone. The Ontario Caregiver Organization is dedicated to equipping caregivers with the resources they need to make sure they are not alone in their journey. Through our e-learning courses, you can learn on your own time and at your own pace. We provide e-learning courses for family caregivers, healthcare providers, volunteers, and employers. If you're new to caregiving, you can take a Caregiver 101 course to get you started. For more information, visit learning.ontariocaregiver.ca. That's learning.ontariocaregiver.ca. Now, back to our episode. We are incredibly thankful to both of you for being there for others that might be going through a similar experience that both of you have experienced and also for being so good enough to talk to us here today. Before we sum up, is there any last piece of advice or any anything you'd like to share with caregivers that might be going through an experience of, of caring for someone with addictions? I would love to uh, remind people, not only that they're not alone, but also to educate themselves. If your child or you were diagnosed with an illness, you have at your fingertips, Dr. Google, Mr. Google, you have a lot of resources to find out what you're dealing with and what the potential is there. Go, go educate yourself. Find out more information about Uh, what is the illness of addiction, that it is an actual illness and that it's a brain disease and that, you know, there there are some changes that can happen to the brain um, and then it can recuperate, it can recover. And through the process of recovery, the family ends up, or the caregivers end up recovering as well. And it is possible. Recovery is possible. Kate, anything you'd like to add? Just make sure that it's not medical. Like, are they doing drugs because they're ADHD and it's just come to a point or they bipolar? Let's make sure that there's no medical. Take them to the doctor and say, look, is there a reason bipolar? Like different areas of the brain is not, you know, we're in, in Canada, we have great health care. And then we'll go on from there. Learn what they're on. You know, what can I do if they have if they fall down on this drug, not nioxin is going to work for all opioids. So you need to make sure, okay, what is going to work for what my child is on? This is a multi-layered situation and there are so many components and I, I appreciate the complexity of the situation that you have both uh, dealt with and, and the expertise that you've shared with us today. Louise and Kate, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can access more details about support services on our website, ontariocaregiver.ca. Until next time, I'm Michelle Jobin, and you have been listening to Time to Talk, a podcast for caregivers. We hope you have a wonderful day.